Hello, and welcome to episode 109 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. As we get going, just a few quick announcements. First, The Modern Manager shop now has t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and hopefully some other fun stuff by the time you're listening to this that you can get to celebrate that you are a modern manager. Now through August 1st, you get 10% off of any gear, not episode guides, just Modern Manager swag. And to get that discount, use the code LAUNCH10. But don't worry, you don't even have to remember that code because when you go to the store, it will be right there on that page so you can capture that 10% discount. And also through August 1st, all proceeds will be donated to the Know Your Rights Camp COVID-19 Fund to support black and brown communities who are disproportionately affected by coronavirus. So you get something fun for yourself and you do something good for others. To shop, go to themodernmanager.co slash shop. Second, I am deep into the research phase of my next book, and I would love for you to be a part of it. I am looking for people who are willing to spend 45 minutes on the phone with me talking about an amazing manager that they had and what made this person so great. If you've had the pleasure of working for a great boss and are willing to share your story, go to managerialgreatness.com and sign up for an interview slot. And even if you haven't had an amazing manager, I would be so grateful if you would share this opportunity with your friends and colleagues. The link is managerialgreatness.com, and of course, it's in the show notes. Now, today's guest is Emily May. Emily is not only my friend, but she's also an international leader in the movement to end harassment in all its forms. In 2005, at the age of 24, she co-founded Hollaback in New York City, and in 2010, she became its first full-time executive director. Emily has won many awards for her leadership, including the TED City 2.0 Prize. Emily has a master's degree in social policy from the London School of Economics and is an Ashoka Fellow and a Prime Movers Fellow. Emily and I talk about how to be an upstander in the office using the five Ds. These different approaches help you figure out what to do when you are witnessing harassment or bullying or even those small behaviors that may not really seem like a big deal, but also just make you uncomfortable because you know they're just not appropriate. This is such an important topic, so here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Emily. I am really excited to have you, partially because we're friends. I actually was trying to figure out how long we've been friends, and I have come to the conclusion that it's been at least a decade, which is a little bit crazy, but it's been really fun to know you as a person and to just watch the journey that you and Hollaback have been on, and I'm really excited for you to share all your wisdom with my audience today. Thanks, Mamie. I'm so excited to be here. So I've had a few guests who have talked about bullying and harassment and kind of what to do when you are the victim, but we've never really talked about what to do when you observe that behavior, when you see somebody else being bullied or harassed. And so I'm really happy that that's your area of expertise because for I think a lot of people, it's not always them that's being attacked, but they are seeing it and they don't know what to do. And I'll say it for myself, like before I attended your training, I didn't know what to do. And so I'm really happy that we're going to talk about how to be an upstander, which is a word I learned from you. So to get right into it, can you just give us a definition or example of what 
counts as harassment so that we can kind of have a picture in our head of what we should be looking out for and knowing the difference between like harassment and just a tough boss. Yeah, absolutely. So the organization I run, Hollaback, we have what we call a spectrum of disrespect. And at one end of that spectrum is things that you would classically term harassment, like the legal definition of harassment, inappropriate comments, sexual innuendos, verbal abuse, inappropriate touching, requesting sexual favors, all of those kinds of things. What we like to do is to build out some of those behaviors leading up to that. Because I think that when you have a culture where people are not listening to each other or intentionally undermining each other, it creates a culture where things like shaming and abuse uh, or shaming and humiliation, often in the forms of jokes or refusing to acknowledge the contributions of others, become a little bit more possible, a little bit more acceptable. And then when you have those things in your workplace culture, then you'll start to see more traditional forms of harassment creep in and become more accepted. And so when we talk about what bystander intervention can look like inside the workplace, what we encourage people to do is to not just apply it to when things are at the, you know, red hot level of harassment, but really to apply it when people are just simply being disrespectful to one another to help to build that culture in an everyday way for how you can take care of each other and build that healthy workplace culture that we want to all want to work in. So I'm so glad that you started there because, you know, harassment feels like this big, heavy thing. And what you're saying makes so much sense, which is there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens before you get to that extreme position. And it's probably much easier to step in early and to start to address those problems when they're small, right? When it's just one comment or one joke or one person and not when it is so widespread and severe and extreme and heavy. Yeah. And as soon as you say the word harassment in a workplace, it trips off all of these HR bells, right? You have to go to here and talk to this person and do that, right? But there's a lot of behaviors leading up to that, that people can deal with and and colleagues can deal with in and of themselves, that they can actually start to set that tone for the workplace that they want to work in. They're not dependent on HR to set that tone. Okay. So now let's just get into the like, what do you do when somebody makes a joke or a comment or kind of ignores someone and you're like, "Mm, that just doesn't feel right. Maybe I should do something here. What do you do? How do you even know what to do? Yeah. So we have what we call the five D's of bystander intervention, Hollaback's five D's. And what they are briefly is distract, creating a distraction to deescalate a situation, delegate, finding somebody else who can help, which could be HR or another coworker, document, creating documentation, the who, what, when, where, and giving it to the person who experienced the disrespect, delay, checking in on that person afterwards. Hey, I saw that. Are you okay? Or direct. So directly saying, "Mm, that's not okay, right? That's not what we want to have here in this workplace. And there's five of them. And look, a lot of people have a lot of really valid concerns. I'm scared that I'm going to be retaliated against. I'm scared that that my relationships are going to erupt or I'm going to be seen as the problem worker if I were to intervene in this. This is just how it works here. But what we see is with the five Ds of bystander intervention, one of the things that you might have noticed as I was rattling them off is four of them are actually indirect ways to intervene. Only one of them kind of outs you to the person who's being disrespectful, and that's direct. But things like, you know, even delegating it to a coworker, like, hey, can you go and and sit 
sit beside her, right? It looks like they're having an uncomfortable conversation right now and I don't think I'm best equipped to do it. Or all of those meeting facilitation techniques that I know have been on other episodes, right? A lot of those are actually bystander intervention techniques. Things like, all right, let's hear from each person for one minute. Or, oh, I haven't heard from you in a while. Like turning that attention to somebody else to take it out of the dynamic and to temporarily get that harassment or that disrespect to stop in its tracks. And of course, things like checking in on our coworkers. So often we want to, but we don't for whatever reason. And of course that increases trauma for the person who's experiencing that harassment or disrespect. And it's such an easy thing to fix. In fact, we did research with Cornell University that shows even a knowing glance to somebody who's being disrespected or harassed can reduce their experience of trauma. And that's a big deal. So these five different Ds, which I love because I was totally one of those people that was like, I don't know what to do in this moment and speaking up feels like super risky and I don't even know what to say if I were to speak up. So I'll just like avoid. So I love that the four of them are not actually about confronting the situation head on, but kind of sidestepping, but still providing a really useful interaction for the person who's being attacked or who's being disrespected. So I want to talk about this one on distract because I feel like for at least for me, that was the one that was most helpful was how do I kind of interrupt this conversation or interrupt the activity that's happening that doesn't look so good to me and in a way that doesn't make it so obvious that I'm like trying, I'm going to put myself at risk. So could you maybe give some additional examples of what someone can do to kind of distract or kind of interrupt that flow? Yeah, absolutely. Distract is a favorite because it is something that folks don't think about. And it's great if you are creative or you have any kind of performer in you or you ha- you're one of those people that can just start a conversation on the fly. So I like to think of distract as kind of two basic approaches. One is to start a conversation directly with the person experiencing that disrespectful behavior. You know, hey, can you help come help me solve this problem? Or, hey, I have a question about this report that I'm turning in, right? The idea isn't to talk about the harassment directly. The idea here is to slowly build safe space with that person. And what we see in those situations is that the person doing the harassing or the disrespecting will start to become starved of the attention they're looking for and the dynamic, and they will slowly back up into the distance and disappear. The other way to create a distraction is literally just to be distracting. (laughs) So my favorite thing is like spilling a little glass of water, never hurt anybody, right? Spilling a cup of pens or change on a hard floor. Those kinds of things break the scenario. It allows the person who's escalated, who's being disrespectful to to check in with themselves maybe for a second. It allows the person who's being disrespected to take a deep breath, figure out how they're going to get out of this situation. And ultimately it just creates a break in that action. And I think both of those are are really great approaches. And as I mentioned before, a lot of the meeting facilitation tactics also different forms of distract. It's really about how do you move the energy out of this dynamic between these two people who are experiencing this conflict and move it back out into the room and other places to help to deescalate. All right. So now let's talk about delegate. And I also learned from you that it's important to check in on are you the right person 
to take action here. And so I love that delegate is one of the options because as a woman, like it's not, I feel like it's not always safe for me or I might not be the right person if I'm white and the the situation I'm observing is maybe happening between two people of color. So I think there's a whole bunch that goes into delegate. So can you talk a little bit more about delegating and how do you know if you're the right person or if you should delegate? Yeah, that's a great question. And oftentimes people hear delegate and they just think HR, 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 right? And certainly you can report harassment to HR. And if you're a manager, you have a legal incident duty to report instances, observations of harassment, even if you think it's insignificant or just a joke here in the US. However, right, there's lots of other folks that you can delegate to. And figuring out if you're the right person to take on a particular incident is a tricky piece. As you mentioned, identity plays a big part in it. If you're watching an interaction that's kind of sexist and you're a woman, right, you're going to be scared that that's going to turn on you, that you're going to be targeted next. And similarly, you know, a lot of folks, men, white folks, have a fear of being a white savior or a male savior. And that can happen. And what we see is that when that happens, it's typically because people are basing their understanding of bystander intervention on an old Hollywood model where you strap on the superhero spandex, you swoop down and you more or less like symbolically beat everybody up, right? And you're the hero of the day. But bystander intervention isn't actually about heroics. It's about taking care of the person who's experiencing that harassment. So, you know, it, when when it comes to figuring out if you're the right person to intervene in these situations, it's good to take that assessment. It's good to trust your instincts. Don't fight them. But then if you do decide to come into it, what you need to remember is how am I going to take care of that person first and foremost, not how am I going to be a hero? And that's how you can avoid some of that risk of being a white savior or a male savior or whatever it may be. So well said. And you know, I think you're, you're redirecting towards how do I best help the person who is being targeted is a really important thing to note because it's not about necessarily saving the person or interrupting in a way that's going to like make you that hero, right? But it's what does that person need in this moment that, and how can I provide that? So if it's a distraction to be able to give them a chance to get away, is it a direct confrontation to keep them out of harm's way if you think something might escalate, right? And I, I like that your framing of what can I do and am I the right person to give it to that to the victim, the person who's being targeted, which really reframes away from how do I be a savior? Exactly. All right. So let's talk about document because I imagine that documenting in the office is a little bit different than how you might document something you see on the subway or on the street or in a car. So what do you document and how do you document properly in the workplace? Yeah. So in the street, the subway, right? People are ready to whip out their cell phone cameras and document this stuff. In the workplace, less so. But what I will tell you that's important about documentation, people, when they experience harassment, having experienced it myself, you assume that this is something you're never going to forget. Like it feels like those words, that moment, the way that the top clock was ticking on the wall are seared into your memory. But our brains do something that's designed to help us out, which is they erase parts of our memory. We'll remember some things in technicolor and other things not at all. And we saw that surely with Christine Blasey Ford's testimony when she remembered the sound of those boys laughing like it was yesterday, but she didn't know the address where she was or exactly what time it was. 
And so documenting on behalf of somebody else can be really important. And getting down, writing down that who, what, when, where, what was said, who was in the room, what time is it, and just giving it to the person experiencing the harassment. Oftentimes what we see is that people wait until it's too late to start documenting and creating a paper trail of experiences of harassment and disrespect. And then they try and go back to recreate it and they don't have those details. So having somebody else do that work for you can be really supportive and awesome, even if in that moment you don't think it's appropriate to escalate this as a complaint or you don't want to do anything with it, right? It just feels validating to know that somebody else has your back here and that if you were to ever need to escalate it to HR or beyond, um, that this person could support you in that. All right, let's talk about delay and how do you support the person after? So you mentioned already you can kind of give a knowing glance if there's kind of nothing you can do in the moment, but just to let them know that you see them and that you see what's happening. But what else can you do by delaying? Yeah. So when it comes to delay, right, this is actually my superpower, which people think is really wimpy, I think. They're like, what? You're the bystander intervention lady. Why isn't your superpower direct? Um, But it's just, you know what? It's who I am, right? Because I'm the one who, like, you're in crisis. I'm going to come over there and just sit with you, right? And until we can get through it, I'm going to check in on you, right? I'm not always going to be the first one to spout off the perfect comment that shuts the harasser down. Like, that's just, I'm not that quick. (laughs) But I will make sure that you're taken care of. And so that is all delay is. And sometimes the harassment is too fast or too fleeting or you just cat got your tongue and you can't get it out fast enough to, to take care of the person in another way. And so this is an option. I, I love this option just because it is so powerful, right? To, to validate people's emotions because oftentimes, you know, it creates increased trauma when nobody does anything. And so just acknowledging what you saw, do you need anything? Do you want me to grab you a coffee? You want to take a walk? right? Giving them some options. And oftentimes people will say, no, I'm okay, but thanks for checking in. But what we see is that that makes a big difference. That quick check-in makes a huge difference in people's feeling because when people don't intervene, it doesn't just have an impact on the person being harassed. It starts to have an impact on the entire workplace and their perception of the entire workplace. All of a sudden, it's not just this one person who is disrespectful to you, but everyone else was also kind of low-key disrespectful to you by not having your back in that situation. And that's something that can really erode trust on teams. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because before... I always thought, oh, I don't want to embarrass them more by going over and saying something and they just had an emotional moment and like they don't need me to butt in and be like, oh, are you okay? Like it's not my place. But clearly like that's actually the opposite. What you're saying is if we don't step in afterwards and we don't acknowledge what just happened and we don't show that we are there to support them, even if all the support we can give is, can I get you a cup of coffee? Or I know you're supposed to be in the next meeting. Do you want me to just tell them that you had to take an emergency phone call? Like, is there something I can do to help you in this moment? Even those little things, even if the person doesn't want them, the signal that we're sending is, I see you and I'm here for you. And what just happened isn't acceptable. Yeah. And I would agree. You know, I think before I started really deeply studying this, I would also have assumed that people would just want to be left alone. They wouldn't want to have somebody acknowledging that what they just experienced wasn't okay, that they already know that. But I think that perspective for me anyway, comes from my own experience of feeling deep shame 
when I experience harassment or experience disrespect in a workplace and assuming that that person is probably also feeling deep shame or, in, you know, and, and that shame is this communicable disease that if I check in on them, they will start feeling deep shame even if they haven't already, right? And I think ultimately we just need to pull the shame off of here. It's nobody's responsibility to have this perfect response to harassment because ultimately you didn't cause the harassment, right? It's the harasser, the harasser, the person who's disrespectful's job to fix the behavior. All right. And then what about direct? Because this is like the big scary one that everybody is, you know, thinks is the only thing you can do. And yet we never, I shouldn't say never, but rarely do people actually interrupt directly. So what do you have to say about being direct? Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on managers in particular to respond directly and to set that very clear boundary, right? Like stereotypes like that don't belong here. I also think, though, that that can be a hard thing to do as a manager myself, especially because I almost always wonder if I have enough context to be able to make that clear of a distinction, to be able to name something as a stereotype or to name it immediately as disrespect, because usually it's not that overt. From where I stand, I think the easier way to do it is to ask a clarifying question. And what that does is it actually gives the person, you know, being disrespectful, a chance to catch themselves, right? Um, And sometimes you'll see people do or say something disrespectful and catch themselves almost before the last word leaves their mouth, right? But you don't want to just let that hang in the air. You want to go ahead, go back to them and see, like, go ahead and get them to say, oh, no, I didn't mean it that way. Or, yeah, no, that wasn't my intention. I apologize for that. And sometimes if you can go ahead and get them to set it, it's an easier thing. And look, that lines up with all management practices, right? If you can get the people you manage to do the work by themselves so that you don't have to do it for them and to, to especially to do that thinking by themselves so you don't have to do it for them, they're going to hold on to that lesson a lot longer. But sometimes people just don't get it, right? And that's when you're going to, you know, you want to set that clear boundary with your, if you're surrounded by other staff. But of course, you also want to have a deeper follow-up conversation afterwards so that it's clear to your team, you don't condone a disrespectful workplace, but that you're also able to really meaningfully unpack that with the person who said that disrespectful thing. That's great. I'm always a fan of having those follow-up conversations to be much more clear than what you can sometimes do in the moment and have that opportunity to really talk to that person and help them understand. Because sometimes people don't even know that what they're saying is so disrespectful. And I find like there's that boundary between people who are just kind of, you know, they, what for whatever reason, they don't understand that the language that they're using or the tone that they're taking or the approach that they're following is disrespectful. And then there are the people who kind of just don't care. Um, and those are two different sets of people. And as a manager, you can't just, you know, let it go because somebody is like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it. Like you actually need to then help them work with them and help them learn new language, learn new ways of behaving, learn, right? That becomes part of that person's development and growth plan. Exactly. Okay. So we're living in the world of a pandemic right now. <laughs> and, yes, we are. and so I imagine that harassment is probably a little different and kind of what people are experiencing, even on those lighter notes of jokes and you know one-off comments or whatever is a little different because we're not physically together in person. So what have you seen for how harassment is happening in virtual meetings, through chat, through email or in online spaces? 
Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think this moment is an interesting moment to be doing this work because the world is scared, right? They're, are, they're scared of, of catching COVID-19. They're scared of each other. They're grieving. There's a scarcity of resources, right? Access to food, healthcare. There's miscommunication happening, right? There's bias mixed all in the middle of this. And I think, you know, when we see these types of things kicked up inside people, what it tends to do is it brings out their worst selves, which I'll refine to say, it tends to bring out their most sexist, racist, anti-immigrant, homophobic selves. And so that role of bias really starts to grow. And that's what we're seeing in the middle of COVID-19. And look, bias can be explicit, something very, you know, expressed directly that the person's aware of, that's operating consciously. For example, you know, I don't like people from a specific identity. But oftentimes in the workplace, what I see is it's implicit. It's indirect. People aren't aware of it, unconscious. It's, you know, like not acknowledging contributions from people with a certain identity, for example. And we see that playing out online and as workplaces go virtual. And we also see that playing out among our frontline and essential workers in real ways. We're watching a huge escalation of conflicts happening. And a lot of this is kind of grounded in bias. Um, and there's biases that, as a, as a white person myself, things that I've never explicitly thought about. But once you hear them, you'll start to see not only the ways that society is interacting, with them, but examples of it in your day-to-day. -day. So things like assuming that communities of color are quote-unquote dirty and diseased, or assuming that Asian Americans have COVID-19 or have been exposed to it, or even assuming that black and brown folks wearing masks are quote scary and predatory. And these things can happen in your immediate workplace, certainly with people that already know each other, but especially for those of you who are managing teams that are working out there in public and interfacing with the public on a day-to-day -day basis, your teams are going to have an increased amount of exposure to this, which on top of their own existing fears about doing this work right now and their own, you know, concerns that they are navigating, all of us are navigating, is going to be a lot harder to stomach. And so I think even though we are not in workplaces, even though harassment is not going to look the same as it did three months ago, I actually, we, we across the entire field are bracing for a, a dramatic rise in harassment. And certainly we're already seeing that, particularly among women and communities of color. Yeah, I can't even imagine for the people who are not working from home right now. I mean, I think the majority of my audience is people who are working remotely. And so for us, it's, you know, it's kind of this like safe haven of being tucked away inside your, your apartment or your house. But for people whose work requires them to be on site and interfacing with colleagues and with customers, it's a totally different ballgame. And you're right. I hadn't even thought about how harassment is playing out in those spaces. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also another thing to watch as a manager is as people are coming back into their teams, back into their workplaces. Remember, these people have not had to face harassment or disrespect in the workplace, in their physical workspace, maybe in their virtual workspace, but in their physical workspace for a minute. And so they're going to come in with a lower tolerance to it too and demanding you know, rights that all of us should have to feel safe and comfortable in the workplace. So I definitely think this is a space to watch. There's obviously a lot of spaces to watch as a manager right now during this epidemic, but I think we're about to see sort of a, a big un unveiling of, of what society can and cannot tolerate and how that, when it comes to harassment and how that has shifted throughout COVID-19. Yeah. And you're right. My 
sense, and I don't know for certain because I haven't done research on this, but my sense is that people are less willing to write things in an email or on a chat than they might say in person in a kind of a social work setting, right? So the joke that you might make at the end of a meeting, you may not make on a Zoom call or you may not write in a chat on a Slack app. But I actually don't know if that's true. Do you have any sense of whether that's true? People will certainly still write it. You know, emails are a famous forum for this kind of communication. But I do think there is a sense, in one of the workshops that I did with a company, the person raised their hand and they said, well, if you write it over email, that's just stupid because it's self-documenting, right? Like, like it's just so easy to forward it to HR or whatever it may be. So I think people do have that awareness, but I still think it can be a significant problem in online spaces as well. And interestingly, even though we didn't talk about it today, Day, the five Ds do line up to an online environment. You can certainly still document every use, take those screenshots. You can delegate it by forwarding it on. You can create distractions in the middle of it by asking, you know, unrelated questions. There's lots of ways to use the five Ds in those online spaces as well. So I think this is the perfect place to end because I'm sure everybody wants to know where they can learn more about you and your work. And if they're interested in doing a training with you or learning more about how to do those five Ds online, where should they go? Yes. So you should go to iHollaback.org. So it's I-H-O-L-L-A-B-A-C-K.org. And there you will see pretty much on the top of the screen, you can sign up for a free 30-minute mini training on bystander intervention in the workplace. So I encourage all of you to check that out. You can also sign up for a free 30-minute consultation with our team to see if trainings or trainings like this might be right for you. And I want to give a shout out to those because i that's one of the things I attended with you and it was so eye-opening and it goes into so much more depth than what we got to on today's call. And uh, my mom, I'm going to give a shout out to my mom because she also participated. And I would say probably four or five times a year, she will call me up and say, I just used one of the D's and I love it. Oh my God. You've never told me that. I love that story. I love your mom. <laughs> tell, your, tell your mom she needs to be our new spokesperson. <laughs> I will let her know. Thank you so much, Emily. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Mamie. Emily has kindly offered 10% off of trainings with Hollaback to members of the Modern Manager community. To become a member and get that discount, go to themodernmanager.co slash join. And when you become a member, you get access to dozens of episode guides, guest bonuses, special offers, our private Slack community, and so much more. And while you're there, don't forget to get your Modern Manager gear and subscribe to my newsletter so that all of those links will be delivered to your inbox. You can find the shop, the subscription to the newsletter, information about Modern Manager membership, everything on the website, themodernmanager.co. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R dot com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at MamieKS.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes 
and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.